You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. On this episode, I sit down with Yancey Arrington and Lance Lawson to discuss the question, does what I do now in this life affect my eternity? So listen in. All right, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, thanks for having for, us. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's good to be here. All right. So we've been in this uh, series for Revelation uh, for the last, I don't know, five or six weeks now. And so I'm going to begin by reading a passage that we haven't gotten to yet, but we will uh, as we get towards the end of this. This is from Revelation uh, 20, 12. It says this, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. <clears throat> then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And so that last little phrase there is what we're going to focus on today is do what I do or does what I do now in this life affect my eternity? And so maybe we'd, it would be helpful for us to kind of break up our discussion into two different ways okay. because I think there's there's sort of two halves to this. One is um, what does the Bible say about judgment and hell and how does what you do in this life impact that? But then the second question we can get to a little bit later on is, is there a different reward for followers of Jesus. Um, and so does what you do now as a follower of Jesus impact your level of rewards in heaven? So let's yeah. first talk about that first question. What does the Bible even say about judgment and hell? Let's jump in. <clears throat> well, jump I was going to wait for Lance. But... Go for it, man. <laughs> what does the Bible beauty. say about, yeah, exactly. Judgment and hell actually says quite a bit. I mean, from Old Testament all the way to the New. It's not a secret that uh, for, for people who talk about uh, who do studies on judgment and or hell that Jesus spoke more about both of those as an individual, as one individual in the text of scripture than any other individual. So <clears throat> he, um, Jesus obviously believes that judgment's real and that hell's real. And um, so uh, as, as you've alluded to in Revelation, that uh, that's what we see at the end. We talk about seven seals and seven bowls and seven trumpets, and they're all judgments uh, culminating in the seventh for each one. And that's the final judgment. And the Bible's very clear about the final judgment. I'll give you a passage. You gave us one, Matthew 25, where Jesus says in verses 31 through 33, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he'll separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and you know therein lies the judgment. So, uh, and there's there's a tons of other passages that do it. So, I mean, if the question is what do we know about the judgment? Well, we know that's that's where God uh, brings with him the righteous, and uh, the unrighteous are are sent to perdition, or sent to hell. So, I mean, obviously break that down, but. I don't know if that answered your question. I mean, it does answer it. I think, you know, we've done other podcasts on on hell and uh, other messages as well. And so, I mean, we can go back and look at some of those if we want to get more in depth. Um, All right. So based on the passage that you just read in Matthew and Mm -hmm. the passage I read in Revelation, um, it seems clear that the... What we do in this life impacts our eternity. I mean, it's based on our works in some way. That's how Jesus is separating the the goats from the sheep. And yep. so, how do, how does all that work itself out? Like, who is judgment in hell for in those in that regard? So, uh, <clears throat> I think it's disturbing for people sometimes when they read this text. Pardon me, <clears throat> when they read it. Because they've always been taught we're saved by grace, it's not by our works, and those are those are true statements. 
And yet, it seems like the judgment's based on our works. But what, what people have to understand in the scriptures is that your works are really a testimony of the condition of your heart. Your, your life is the product of your faith, not the other way around. I'm not working my way to my faith. My faith is working itself out in my life. And uh, thus, because that's true, God, God evaluates us, <clears throat> not just because we profess a faith in Jesus, but because we've demonstrated that faith. And so, I'm not worried about my works uh, he, God's just ultimately judging us off of, uh, if you will, the, the totality of our lives. Let me give you a, uh, a quote. See, just rang right now so I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> Let me give you a quote from Anthony Hokema, who I've, I, I hearken back to this guy a lot because I love his book, The Bible in the Future. But he says, everything a person has done is an expression of the basic direction of his or her heart. And thus a person will be taken into account on the day of judgment for that. And so that's why you have like, it, it opens up their deeds at this book of life. What have they done? And so uh, Jesus will tell people like in Matthew seven, you know, I don't know who you are. You guys are lawbreakers and evildoers. It's because that's the direction of their heart. And so, you know, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. That's not some kind of teaching that says you never do bad things. It just simply says, <clears throat> when you, when you are, when you're uh, saved, when you're regenerated, that, that, there's a difference in your life. I mean, the Lord's banking on putting his money, on, his chips on the work of the Holy Spirit, which we see all throughout the New Testament. So it's just only, um, uh, I don't want to say consequential. It's just, it makes sense that God says, well, I'll just look at their lives and know if their hearts were really changed. Now, God already knows our hearts, but he uses that basis. And I think there's another reason for it. It's because... Uh, when, when we stand before Jesus, we, we have a lot of deeds that aren't very good, but they're forgiven in Christ. And so there's a declaration of the glory of God and the power of the gospel that when our deeds are laid out there, I mean, hopefully you're going to see regeneration in, in the form of good works under the kingdom. But I mean, I, there's a lot of bad things I've done and have done and probably will continue to do because I'm a sinner. And to know that those are all forgiven, uh, as Romans 8, 1 says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. I mean, there's this, it seems at the end of the age, it's just God is declaring what is already true. And so I, you know, people are like, my gosh, I don't, <clears throat> I used to have this image like, we, they're going to play the film of your life in front of everybody. We're like, oh my gosh, can they skip the, you know, when I take a shower and get ready in the morning, can we skip that one? <laughs> um, but I, I do think uh, there's this idea that uh, all throughout the New Testament and old that that um, I'm not righteous in my deeds because I'm inherently righteous. I'm righteous because Christ's righteousness is upon me. The work of the Holy Spirit's in me, and that's producing, that's changing me, it's renewing me. And there should be a, demonst a demonstration of the Spirit's power in my life. And um, and 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 conversely, um, God can judge unbelievers to show no signs of regeneration. So uh, and so, I think it's a it, it's all of that. Uh, it's not just. What would really be weird is if uh, it came to the judgment day and God's like, did you walk down the aisle when you were seven? That's all that counts because that that doesn't mean anything necessarily. There are a lot of people who have walked down an aisle that it didn't mean anything. And so um, it's really, do we see sanctification in the person's life, uh, and which is a work of God. It's a work of the Spirit. So it's really all grace no matter what. So sorry, that's a long-winded answer. But um, I, I, still, <clears throat> I still find myself struggling, uh, not struggling. When I was younger, I used to struggle with those kinds of passages. I was like, man, I thought I was saved by grace. I thought my works had nothing to do with it, but but grace changes my works. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a, in a background that for whatever reason formed me into person to a person that thought my works uh, had everything to do with my final judge, like what would happen there. And yeah. I, I just remember some years ago, uh, 
The Lord using Colossians chapter one in my heart to just break it open, the richness of that passage that, uh, that Jesus through the blood of his cross has made peace, that one day I'll be presented like this picture being presented holy, blameless, and above reproach before the Lord because I'm in Christ, yeah. not because of my works. And so just to be able to rest in that grace of like, I didn't, I'm not holy. Jesus makes me holy. Right. Uh, but what I do appreciate what is what comes right after that. Uh, Paul writes, if indeed you remain stable and steadfast mm. in your faith. And it's this idea that uh, our works don't, don't secure our place in judgment. They are fruit and evidence of it. But yeah. if we're in Christ, uh, in that moment, the way we are presented, uh, holy, blameless, and above reproach, is that we've we've kept our faith in what Jesus has done, not right. in what we've done. Yeah. Uh, so, th- but there is absolutely an element of th- this growing holiness in a believer's life because of the transformation of their heart. And I kind of <clears throat> I like that. Excuse me, I like that uh, for a lot of reasons. Not least of which is God's not God's not. There shouldn't be anyone who's surprised at the end of the judgment at the judgment day. Like who was it? Like that guy was a Christian. Who knew? Who knew that they have? He lived a secret life. Was never attentive to the body of Christ. Didn't go to church. Didn't read the Bible. Didn't pray. Didn't share the gospel. Didn't, wow. Who knew that he was? And it's, the truth will be like, well, it's because he wasn't. Uh, because God actually uh, changes us in salvation. He changes people, and uh, we see that in James. We see that in Romans. We see that in Colossians. We see, and so. I like the fact that you, we're reading Revelation right now. It says, to him who overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life. What? That feels like I got to do some work. But what we've read all throughout the Bible, and especially even in, in Revelation, is that God sealed us. We saw that in Revelation, that he's measured us out, that he's, he's protecting us and enabling us by the power of the Spirit to endure to the end. So the reason that God saves those who endure is because he's empowering them to do so. It's not because they're like, oh, we're stronger, uh, but it is something that God's working in our lives. And so I, I like the fact that God's simply saying, I'm, I'm going to evaluate people's lives in front of the whole creation because I came to redeem lives. And uh, that ought to be a good word to us. Like, you know, what we do now impacts eternity. It does. So that's... Yeah. So what would you say to someone who hears that passage in, in Revelation and says, hey, we're going to be judged based on, on what we've done, according to what we have done, as it says. Yeah. Um, what, what would you say to the person who says, well, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. And so, yeah. I mean, I, it seems unfair, unjust that God would condemn somebody who's a pretty good guy to hell for all eternity yeah. whenever, you know, I've, I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to provide for my family, yeah. whatever it might be. I mean, I haven't, haven't murdered anyone or any of those other, you know, the, the top 10 things that we kind of think of. Sure. It's like, no, I've, I've kind of just done the middle road things. And so it seems unfair for God to, to do that. Yeah. Well, you you want to jump yeah. I mean, it, what's your standard of good? That's the question. I'm a pretty good guy. Well, t- compared to my neighbors or my coworkers or just like what I see out in the world, but uh, the standard of goodness that we're being measured against is perfection. It's holiness. Yeah. And no one can stand – no one should think about themselves and like, well, I'm pretty good and with confidence want to stand before the Lord based on their own, their own track record. Yeah. <clears throat> Have we seen anything in the – in like Revelation, and I know we're, we're doing this series, uh, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast as this is going on. I mean, people fall down on their face. We're even, even the angels can't look. I mean, angels, the angelic beasts, the heavenly hosts, they can't even look at God because he's so holy. You know, you have two, one of those, some of the angels 
uh, or I should say the heavenly creatures, they're, they're pictured as having six wings, just like in Isaiah 6, where they two they minister and fly around with, if you will, two they cover their feet because they're on holy ground, and two they cover their eyes because they... So just imagine, that's the kind of holiness you're going up with. So I, when, when people really struggle with that, I get it. But they don't, they don't have kind of a, a holiness that God has. They don't, they don't understand the holiness of God, how perfect and pure and uh, in, incredibly uh, righteous that he is. And so um, I always think that there's two things. They, they have a misunderstanding, or rather, I don't want to say misunderstanding. They have a, they have a small view of God's holiness, and I think I'm, I'm like that because I, I still don't understand how the depth of his holiness. And I have a, probably an inflated view of what I think is right and wrong. So you put those two together, and no one likes it. No one likes it. No one wants to have a God who's uh, judging in a way that they don't want to have. They want God to judge the way they want to judge. Um, so uh, the more you kind of figure out how you really are in life, that we're not perfect, that we're broken, uh, and also put that against the – when you just study on the holiness of God, you, you start to sing a different tune. Um, and, so, and God's not going to change. That's the difference. God's not changing. We have to change. So, yeah. Well, uh, but I agree exactly with what Lance said. Even this week in Revelation, talking about the uh, like the judgment and, and bold judgment, yeah. and one of the things I've just been reflecting on is the idea that you know we might say we we would want we would do judgment differently. Like we have a different scale of yeah. what fairness is, yeah. but reality is like. We wouldn't really want that. We wouldn't want our standard of justice and judgment to be what is for all eternity because it's not as pure and holy and right. righteous as God is. It's based on what we think is, is sure. right. And it might make sense to us, but it's like you don't you don't want that played out for all eternity because you're not God, right? Yeah. And I'm not God. And so uh, what I think is ultimately right or wrong is not is not really the the most joyful scenario. But also when we talk about and think about judgment, I think we approach it from a neg- with a negative connotation. We're, we're talking about like, man, this really tough subject of judgment, and we miss an opportunity to see God's judgment as something that's beautiful, as something that brings healing to a broken world and to a broken people. Like God's judgment is a good thing, and it's it's scary to think about if you don't have confidence in what will happen in that moment. But if you're, if you're secure, if you're sealed, if you're in Christ, then you know that the, the blood of the lamb is the one that presents you holy, blameless, yeah. and above reproach. Like yeah. th- there is something beautiful about God making all things right, right. in that moment. And so uh, it, it, there's, it's a dance, right? It's a fine line. I like that. That's good. All right. So let's get to the, the second half of some of this discussion. So for those who are followers of Jesus, are there different rewards in heaven? And let me just say from the beginning, I feel like I've I've heard a lot of different things on this, and it doesn't seem like anyone is super clear. And so maybe we just need to like from the very beginning just say uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of clarity from Scripture exactly what something like this looks like as far as different rewards in heaven, and people have different different views of that. So yeah. um, so when yeah. you say we talked about this for the podcast for those who are listening, we there's definitely talk of reward in the New Testament. But it seems to be like the reward we all will receive, uh, which seems to be the the inheriting of eternal life, reigning in the kingdom, you know, the fullness of our inheritance and the adoption of sons and daughters in Jesus that we all receive equally. But uh, there there are there are a couple of passages in particular that we that we'll note: First um, <clears throat> Corinthians chapter three and Luke chapter nineteen, and, and uh, we'll talk about those here in a second. But those can be interpreted where it feels like there's some kind of uh, reward 
I don't want to say system because it's not like it's, you know, I don't know. I have no clue. Uh, but it does seem like, uh, well, let, let me explain it this way because I'll, I'll make this even muddier if I don't. So let's take Luke 19. Luke 19 is the parable of the 10 talents, or if you have the ESV, it says the 10 minus. Sounds like you've said it wrong. 10 minus what? 10 minus four, but M I N. A-S, basically a three-month salary. And so you have a, uh, a master that comes to his servants, and he gives them all these all this money, says, I'm going to take off. And uh, his servants range in the spectrum from doing something with that money, investing it or whatever, making money, and other guys hide it, and other guys, you know. So the master comes back, and he's upset because they didn't, they didn't use the financial gift that he gave them to uh, bless the master. And so the end of this, parable says this, verse 26 of chapter 11, uh, it says, and I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so some people would read that and go, oh man, so God gives us all, uh, uh, he invests in us while we're here in this life and we, we, we're responsible uh, within our lives to honor God with his kingdom by by serving and giving and all these things. So that when Christ returns, like the master returns, uh, he will see that we've been faithful servants and then will bless us as we enter into this new kingdom with, uh, and I, I would say here the reward isn't even more increased enjoy, uh, enjoyment, it's, it's increased responsibility. Like whatever, I'm going to be responsible for something more in the kingdom of heaven. That that's That's a deduction that you can see there. The question is, this is a parable. So how much do we put stock in the parable and how, how much do we usually don't develop big theologies off of parables? I get that. The next passage and just... Well, I want to touch on that a little yeah, bit more. Sure, go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> some of the rewards that the uh, the master in the parable give out is varying degrees of responsibility over cities. Mm-hmm. So it's like to you, you're going to get 10 cities yep. and you're going to get five cities. Yep. And so, I mean, I've heard some people even say, I don't know, does that mean that like uh, in heaven that we are like mayors over <laughs> different size of cities or how is that, you know, look? And so I think, uh, again, I, we don't really know, but at the same time, it gets a little more problematic when you really sure. start to parse out those parables because they're not meant to be taken um, so, you know, word for word, line by line, that like the, the point is that there is a, a level of faithfulness that each yeah. person had, and then there's a there's a reward. Yes. But there is, but to, to go principally with the parable, they're not all given the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are given, you know, over five, over 10, over whatever. And so uh, that's the tension in the parables that how much do we need, do we have to, how much continuity is there when we bring it over into the, to like, what's really going to happen at the end of the age? Is Jesus, is the point Jesus trying to make be faithful or is it be faithful because there's rewards? And that's a really sincere question uh, that you can answer on both sides. So, uh, Absolutely. I didn't because know if you it, want to jump in on this. I was yeah, I mean, just, I, I mean, the only the only nuance I would add is not just is it be faithful, but is it is it each person's responsibility to be faithful with what they've been given, right? With whatever whatever God has you in and has you gifted with, like you're responsible for for the most faithfulness yeah. you can have with that. Yeah. And so I, I tend to. I tend to be drawn to that aspect yeah. of it as opposed to some calculation of rewards in the future. 
Yeah, which yeah. I think is the, the point that Jesus is driving at in this. Is he's not like, all right, well, you know, what's the formula that's going to be in the future? It's more like, you know, how does this affect your life now? <laughs> yeah. you know? So be faithful yeah. with what God has given you. We're not you, supposed to sit and go, hey, yeah. uh, who's the three-talent guy? Who's the five-talent guy? And who's the ten-talent guy? It's yeah. not supposed to be some diagnostic on, on what God's given you. It's really more about how you use that to honor him while, you know, while we're here on this li- uh, in, this, uh, in this life before he returns. I do think... I, but I do see some – it's not like a crazy interpretation to, to say, yeah. hey, uh, if you gave one guy five, one guy ten, one guy whatever, um, th- it, there may be some reward or some kind of responsibilities that God gives us differently in heaven. And that wouldn't be surprising to me if, if the new heaven and the new earth, uh, the, the new cosmos is, is much like this but redeemed. I, I don't think we're just going to be sitting around playing guitar, singing love songs to Jesus. I know that disappoints you, but I, I think we're going to have, you know, I think we're doing things just like they were doing things before this whole thing started. So, and when you get to the first Corinthians three passage, uh, Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth, he just talks about, um, there's been a foundation laid, uh, which is Jesus. So you get, in other words, we would interpret that like you've become a Christian, but in verse 12, it says, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because each because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And the conclusion is this. So just imagine, you've got wood, hay, stubble, stubble, that's that's the translation I grew up with. Sorry, it's a New American standard. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. That's how I memorized it. Uh, wood, hay, straw, uh, and then you have gold, silver, precious stones. And fire is going to do something to one that it's not going to do the other. And it says here in verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So there's, there's apparently like if in the things that you do in this life, Paul says in this text, they're either wood, hay, or straw, or they're precious stones. They're either things that are valuable, that, 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 that can endure the refiner's fire, or they perish with it. And but 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 you would think that some people go well the the ones who have it perish are unbelievers but that's not what the text says it mm. says if anyone's work is burned up so if you have things that are burned up in that he will suffer loss or lose something though he himself will be saved but only as through fire like some of us some of us it probably is going to be me man uh, you think I've done all these things for Jesus but in the end it really all burns up for whatever reason because it wasn't done with the right motives or whatever and it's like the door hits you on the tail as you walk into the kingdom and Yancey smells like smoke but I'm like but I'm in <laughs> but I'm in but when you actually read the text straight through it it I think there's a strong argument that that uh, at the end of the age uh, that that God does give us there is a there is a an evaluation of the life that we live, like what we do now counts forever uh, in a way that I don't, There's there, we only have two passages. So you don't want to build a whole theology off of two passages. But there's enough there to go. Uh, it's not crazy to think about that. I know there's a debate and a lot of people don't believe it, but a whole heck of a lot of people who are serious theologians mm-hmm. do. Well, even the ones who that would say, hey, I'm not so sure, like it's yeah. really clear, yeah. would still leave that open to say, it, you know, it's not so clear the other direction. Yeah. That they would, you know, be open to the idea of saying maybe that is the way it's going to be yeah. in heaven. So, well, we've not taught um, on that because I, I don't ever remember teaching on twenty. I don't know how many years I've been here. Um, I've I've never taught on that because I do think there is some there's some gray because you can argue both sides uh, because there, it, there's way more passages in the New Testament that say all of us receive the reward. Of heaven, eternity, you know, being with Jesus, and so there's just a couple of passages that make you go, mm, well, um, and the the contrast of that is, it seems to be if there's an argument is well, when you read the scriptures, it also seems that there's different degrees of suffering in hell. So if there's different degrees of suffering, can there be different degrees of 
reward in heaven, I, 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 you know, some argument there, that's yeah. all. I'm not well, trying to complicate the podcast. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah. Well, even uh, some of the ones, uh, p- the passages that mention crowns, people point to like, uh-huh. are there like differing crowns? And uh, if you go back and, and look at those, then really they're, it, it's pretty evident that those are referring to just, as you said, the, the general reward that, that all get. So there isn't like, oh, Yancey gets a bigger crown right. or he's got more more jewels in his crown right. because, you know, he did this. And, You're right. Um, so there's not a lot of passages that, that support that popular notion that like, oh, I'm adding jewels to my crown. You know, it's funny. I never thought about that until we, and I say I never thought about it. I, I was reminded of that when we did Revelation and we're looking at the heavenly copy of the earthly church. It's the 24 elders and they all have crowns. Yeah. It's not like, And you they're know, throwing them down before. That's true. It's Jesus, not like, like, like there's three of them that have the really big crowns and one guy smells like smoke and, and he doesn't have, they all have crowns and they all lay them down mm-hmm. as an act of worship. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. So, you know, if it is true that there's varying degrees of rewards in heaven, mm-hmm. you mentioned that it, based on good works, based on how you live your life, I mean, what what's the basis that they're given on? I mean, what, what kind of, I guess, good works would Jesus be looking for in that? I feel like I've talked probably too much already. I just throw that to Lance. Yeah, I mean, the, you have. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, first, you're looking at me, so I'm the like, The 1 Corinthians 3 passage also it talks about planting and watering seed and that uh, the laborer will receive his wages. And so, uh, you know, will there be some aspect of our, our heavenly experience where uh, the way that we lived our life on earth affects our experience in heaven? Again, we don't have a lot to draw on in scripture, but time and time again, it's like, no, we're before the Lord. Yeah. That's that's the reward is are the crown of salvation or the crown of glory and that we get to live and dwell in God's presence. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I have a ton to add. Yeah, to the conversation. Well, I, I mean, I think you can look at some of those passages to to discern what are the type of and maybe well, what are the behaviors or what are the the, the life, uh, the way you live your life? How does that impact the different rewards? I guess. I mean, you really. I mean, I guess you can just point to how how are the fruit of the spirit evident in your life, but I mean, specifically when it comes to things like this, you know, Jesus talks about giving generously, you know, laying up treasures in heaven. Yeah. Um, we, again, I'm not sure if that's, a, if there's different rewards or different uh, accounts that people have in heaven, but certainly, yeah. I mean, the the uh, the encouragement is to, to live generously. Um, you know, you talk about the the parable of the uh, the minus or the talents. I uh-huh. mean, the, the call is to go and be fruitful, to yeah. multiply uh, God's influence in the world to, to bring glory to the master, yeah. as you said. Um, you know, like you said, plant, planting, being part of God's work in the world of building his church and spreading the gospel, making disciples. Yeah. Anything else you'd add to that? Well, no, I, I think that's an important distinction. So regardless whether you feel like there's specific rewards for individuals or that really the, these parables are, are just highlighting the fact that this is what a true believer will do. He'll, he'll use his or her life to honor God and we all get a reward. So whether they're individual at some, on top of what we all get, the point is to be faithful and to steward your life well for the kingdom. And, and um, you know, to live a gospel-centered life. As we talk about the three gospel identities. You know, you want to be a citizen of the kingdom. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done on the cross. You are a family member in the, in, in, within the people of God, so you want to serve them well. And you are a missionary uh, to, to by the will of God, so that you'll go out and share the gospel. So, the the what, what every what both parties would would agree upon is that ultimately it's about stewarding your life. Um, because I, I mean, in the end, we're going to stand before God, and um, I know all my all my sinful deeds have been covered by the blood of Jesus. I mean, the same 
book that we've been studying that says, to him who overcomes, I'll give the tree of life. It also says that uh, we've been given white robes that have been dipped in the blood of the lamb. I mean, in other words, that, that we have a righteousness that's, as, as, as Lance had talked about, that's not our own. And so I'm, I'm only here because of Jesus. But, but it's also because of Jesus that my life's had a different trajectory. And so I was talking about you know, systematic theology this morning. So we're recording this right now on a Thursday. So uh, Thursday morning, and I met with a, one of the guys afterwards who is really just, God's just gotten a hold of his life. And um, he, he, he said, I'm, just, I'm not even the same person I was three years ago because of what Jesus has done. And uh, he goes, to, he comes to our Wednesday night service, and he's serving. Um, in fact, he 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 was even released from his job because he was trying to follow Jesus in a way that was still he could do that within his. Um, and you know, he wasn't causing waves as far as his job being done. He was executing his job, but he was just living differently. People were coming to talk to him about their lives, and um, he just said, "I wouldn't change anything." Uh, in fact, God's just he's gotten a hold of my life, and that to me is the old, that that's what we're here for. So um, I, I'd love to think that we get to celebrate at Judgment Day. Judgment Day, as Lance said, you know, I love that take. It's not just, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough if you're a goat. I mean, uh, but if you're the sheep, we get to celebrate, man. And we'll probably be more thankful than anything going, I could just go the way of the goats if he just ran that tape back and took right. Jesus out of that. Hmm. So uh, I, I, I just think ultimately we're all regardless of your specific viewpoint on rewards, plural, or just we all receive the reward, it's really ultimately about stewarding your life, about giving yourself to things that really matter, uh, that, that matter for eternity. So Yeah, that, that would be the distinction, is that the, the way you've lived your life for the kingdom of heaven, yeah. not just day-to-day things that only matter here and now mm-hmm. are things that you're held accountable for and will measure some reward. It's like, no, what kingdom work did you do? Uh, what did you do that mattered for all time and for the, for souls that endure? Mm-hmm. All right, I do want to go down this road a little bit more, though. Assuming yeah. that, assuming that there are different rewards in heaven, right? And again, I know we just said so. We're, we're back we're on that train sure because okay. I just think there's inter- there's a lot of follow up questions. I think people yeah. have. I mean, I would have about this. So, does that mean that there are there's going to be people who are uh, disappointed in heaven because they have less, or jealous that others have more. Go ahead, Lance. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. That's the that's what the beauty of God's judgment brings is that it roots out sin. It that that's why that's why there is an aspect of beauty to it is because sin distracts us from enjoying God and living like we're supposed to, and sin sin is what separates us from Him. But when that is when that is taken care of, we don't have jealousy or envy. Uh, we we celebrate. So if someone in heaven has something I don't, or is rewarded in some way I'm not, I will I will for the first time in my life be pure and able to celebrate that person without yeah. any strings attached. Yeah, I mean I don't remember exactly where it is, but there's a pastor that talks about when one rejoices, you know they all rejoice. Yeah. You know it's it's this uh, encouragement or challenge to do that here on earth, and you're like, yeah, that that is a challenge. But one day in life or one day in eternity, <clears throat> then it'll be like, yeah, that's that's just how it works. That's what we do. Yeah, I heard this illustration. I think I was in college, um, and it obviously it stuck with me because that was 500 years ago. But it was. Uh, Someone had said, like, what happens if someone gets X amount of reward? They get a greater reward that you would consider it greater. Instead of getting three cities, they're responsible for 10, right? But this guy's responsible for three. Let's use that language from the the talents or the the minus. Uh, So this is what I heard. I heard a guy say, like, imagine it this way. Imagine you go to an opera, and you've never been to an opera before, 
but you go and you you love it, right? So there's there's you, you're having an experience that you're totally enthralled in. But imagine if you spent 20 years studying the opera and knowing about all the kind of works that they do in the background to it. And you, you enjoy it as well, but you enjoy it at a much different level than the other person. That you, so you have two different people sitting next to each other, one that's never been to an opera, one that's an expert in operas, and they're both enthralled in this ecstasy of the moment, but they experience it differently. Uh, one's not jealous of the other. They just have different experiences based on what they've done up to that point. And I thought, man... I don't know how, you know, you can always break down, uh, illustrations always break down somewhere, but I thought, you know, that's a pretty good shot for the idea that no one's going to be, no one's going to be in the future heavens and earth going, gosh, you know, Ryan got that. And, you know, I'm looking at you going, Ryan, Ryan got 10 cities. I got, I got like a suburb. That's all I got, you know? And I know we're joking. I probably even should use the city stuff because I don't think that's what's going to happen in the kingdom. Uh, I think that is, we'll, we'll be given responsibilities uh, most likely. I don't think it's going to be over cities. Um, I'm not going to take it that far, literally. But I do think whatever we're given, we'll enjoy, just like Lance said, we'll enjoy it fully. And um, But honestly, we could say we don't know. I mean, the Bible, when it speaks most about the new heavens and the new earth that we're about to get to in Revelation, it's all symbols. It's all images. Uh, Paul gets caught up to the to what he calls the third heaven. And he says, uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was so amazing. Uh, God said, I can't tell you anything about it. Or you just want to go right now. Okay. Well, that's helpful. Thanks, Paul. That's good. Um, you know, awesome. <laughs> Jerk. Yeah, way to go. I guess we won't be doing that series on heaven at Corinth now anymore. So those are the kind of things, though, that I think um, I, we, we, know, we don't know what all it's going to be, but we pretty much know what it's not going to be. It's not going to be a place where we have jealousy and you know, anger and bitterness because someone got something we didn't. That, as Lance eloquently put it, that gets rooted out. That sin gets rooted out. So we're all cheering on everybody. But Jesus is the hero of this place anyhow. So that, that's how that's going to work. Yeah. So throughout your study of Revelation, do you see um, maybe even persecution as a uh, a different differentiation? Is that right? Uh, of rewards in heaven? Like, is that something that do you see like those who are, have lost their, given their lives for the gospel, having, uh, I guess, a closer seat Here's what the I'd throne? Say that, yeah. You know, it seems like in the text um, that actually the, the person who's the martyr just becomes emblematic of the whole church, that you mm. don't have to die for the faith to be a part of God's people. We all know that's true. With that said, uh, if there, I'll just put it this way: If there ever were going to be different rewards for people in heaven, martyrs are getting whatever the best is. Yeah, whatever, whatever you know. If Jesus has like, here's the ten five three. He's given. I know that the martyrs are getting the ten uh, because there's. The, the, I mean, John in Revelation just uses them as emblematic of the church, and um, and and there's a bunch of Christians that did not die for the faith. Now there were in the first century that died, but a lot of them didn't die, and so. But the fact that he uses those guys like, what, how am I going to represent the church and revelate? We'll do the people that have been killed for it, and the the praises that are sung for those who give up uh, their lives for Jesus. You know, we talked about for, for those of you who've been with us in this series. You can talk about the you know Jim Elliot and Nate Saint, and those men that were murdered by the Warani tribe for going and sharing the gospel with them. Or we could talk about, frankly, Paul the Apostle who was beheaded, or any martyr from the last twenty-one centuries. You know, it's a great question. I don't know the answer, but I would say this: if there ever was a reward given on top of the rewards we get, those guys and gals are getting it. That's that's my take. Lance may have a different take, but that's my take. No, I, yeah. When I think about these things, I'm like, gosh, I just will be happy to be there. 
<laughs> because I, I, I don't feel like I've suffered or been persecuted. I'm, I'm right there with you. Up to this point in my life yeah. for my faith. And I've been part of the faith my entire life since I was a kid. So it's like, I feel like I've had it so easy yeah. relative to people even today around the world that, that really do suffer. Have you guys, let me ask you this question. So let me take over this podcast since we're talking about Revelation. Have you guys even struggled preaching Revelation, knowing that we really don't live right now? America is not the hotbed of persecution for yeah. the faith. I mean, no one's dying that there are another. Have you ever had attention just even preaching these texts at all? Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. I think... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you almost feel, especially lately in our services, we've been taking time to pray for the persecuted church, yeah. and you know that that sense of, man, what's it going to be like to to champion and like celebrate someone else's reward? It's almost like that that gives me that little bit of a taste where I think to imagine other people being persecuted unto death in other parts of the world, you're yeah. just like, man, I I actually celebrate that now. Like, that, yes. that guy, yes, y- give him an extra. Diadem or whatever, whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, give him more yeah. cities because yeah. it, you know they're they're worthy of that. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't it isn't like a jealousy thing. It's like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna get in and I'm I'm gonna be, you know, super excited just to be there with that guy and want to celebrate, you know, what they've done. Well, that's why I feel. I mean, I, the reason I even ask the question is we talk about rewards, and Revelation does talk about the martyrs a lot, and. I I'm almost, I just feel unworthy to even teach it because it's like listen man I'm I'm walking up there with my Astros hat and flip flops when I get into the kingdom and I'm like well you know these guys and gals have put their literally their lives on the line and uh, uh, I'm I'm probably going to be right behind Lance just going just glad to be here just glad thank you Jesus I'm I'm glad to be here um, but it, it's sobering to even think about to me like if 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 uh, the martyrs have a special place if the, if they don't I'd be surprised. Yeah. But it's okay. I mean, it's all about Jesus anyhow, but uh, faithful to the end, that's, that's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, we, we joke in pop culture about, like, first world problems. Yeah. And that's how I feel like yeah, preaching yeah. sometimes. That's about, what I'm like, talking about. Yeah. Like that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Of being like, yeah. uh, because even as like, oh, gosh, you know, I, I had whatever opposition we have to yeah. the gospel around us, yeah. it's like, it's it's real opposition. Sure. I don't want to, like, yeah. you know. I, There's degrees we, we of opposition there. Yes, yeah. and so I think that when you look at like what's going on yeah. around the world and what has gone throughout history around the world, um, you know, it is first world problems for for us oftentimes. Yeah. yeah, we we definitely have. There's there is opposition to Christianity in many parts around this nation, and it, it seems to be turning all the more. I, I get we're in a post Christian nation, but that's different than having a government like. China or North Korea or some other places where it's it's frankly illegal to be a Christian to celebrate that in a public way and they're actually putting you in jail and sometimes executing you right where it, like in the, in in places in the Middle East to testify about Jesus to other people will get you beheaded yeah that's a different game yeah, yeah and that's why I'm I I get uncomfortable when followers of Jesus in, in the West who are not persecuted, persecuted to that degree almost have like a victim mentality yeah. about mm-hmm. yeah, sure. whatever oppositions we do face where it's like, I'm not sure that's a helpful perspective to think that like, oh, everyone is out to get us, yeah. you know, like this group is out to get us and this and, um, you know, I, I think we can be faithful without 
having that same kind of victim. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I do want to, I don't want to digress too much, but <laughs> if we're going to talk about rewards and we're, and we're talking about this in light of revelation, it's just good to get that out there. Grateful that God does what he does and grateful that we can live in a place where we don't have to have that kind of persecution. But, but also to say, you know, it, it's happening now, it's happening around the world. It's been happening throughout history. And uh, if there ever were extra rewards to be given, we know who's going to be the first in line for those things. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the experience has been humbling for sure yeah. through revelation more than I expected. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, it, it kind of it, it raises up this level of expectation for suffering and persecution yeah. that we just don't keep categories of thought for in our yeah. lives because yeah. we we seek comfort all the time. And so, just to be reminded that we should expect yeah. uh, following Jesus to be challenging, yeah. even to the point of giving our lives. So, uh, to live with an expectation is is an even like different conversation than. Than is easy to have. Well, and and I think probably something working that you're working on right now with your message is and to go back to judgment. And when Lance said the judgments, you know, it's a good thing, and it is um, revelation that the the judgments that we see are all responses. You know, John says over and over again, these are responses to the to the prayers of the church who are being killed. So the church has experienced persecution. Like, Lord, what are you doing? You're letting this all happen. And you know that seventh bowl or that seventh trumpet or that seventh whatever it is, you know, uh, seal, those are all, it's all God's final response. And so the last judgment is really even God's final response to the persecution of his people. Like, yep, I've let it happen. Yep. But everyone's going to pay for it. And there's a sense of, of um, you know, I, I would talk, talk about this before, but whenever you watch a movie, whenever it's like a Marvel movie, I don't want to point you for Marvel movies because I thought you did such a great job on that podcast, the Marvel stuff, but you're, you're wanting uh you're wanting the hero to win and you're wanting the villain to lose because he's villainous. He's gotten away with things, but he's really not getting away with things in the end. And, and all those stories are really just an outflow of the one true story that God is coming to judge. Uh, in the old school way, they'd say the wicked and the dead or the quick and the dead, sometimes the wicked and the dead. And so um, this is why we stress the importance of coming to Jesus because uh, if not, we're all in the same boat. But because of Jesus' goodness, he's rescuing us from, uh, from the judgment that's coming. And so what's crazy is when you read Revelation other places, that it says that the church actually judges along with Jesus. So we're at Judgment Day, but at the same time, we, we judge. Judge the angels, fallen angels. Judge, um, judge the, the wicked. And uh, so it, it's all the things that they talk about. It's going to be whatever that looks like in reality, I, it's going to be mind-boggling. But the fact that we get to be a part of the redemptive side of that is it should make us be very grateful and want to share the gospel with everyone we can awesome well thank you guys for being here hopefully we cleared up something even though we we still left it somewhat muddy but at least we're clear on the gospel sure in the ultimate reward and it matters how we live it does matter how we live we want to we want to steward our lives our lives well awesome well thanks guys hey thank you Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to watch it or share it with a friend, make sure you go to clearcreateresources.org where you can also find articles and a whole bunch of other content. Again, my name is Ryan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.